Welcome to Matter of Fat, a body positive podcast with Midwest sensibilities. Hi, I'm Kat Palavoda, a local fat feminist, shop owner, and okay, I'm happy to report that I've taken my first dip in a Minnesota lake this summer. I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Soraya Bogani. Hi, I'm Soraya. I'm a fat, multiracial, mini-apolitan millennial who is eager to reap the benefits of my little balcony vegetable garden. On Matter of Fat, we talk about the cultural politics of fat liberation with a Midwest perspective. Yeah, and on this episode, we're diving into who or what prompted our digital fat lib progression. We interview Jay Aprelio of Comfy Fat Travels and get a little disappointed in the dirt and discourse, all as... A matter of fat. Before we get into our interview with Jay, we wanted to chat about something that actually came up um, at the beginning of the interview when Jay shared their story as a matter of fat. They talked about how they really found a fat community on Tumblr back in the day. And that, of course, really resonated with Soraya and I because we did too. Uh, so we thought we would talk about like who and what kind of prompted our body positive journeys and moving into fat liberation when we were in that kind of Tumblr era, scrolling and liking and resharing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Tumblr is the time capsule that I didn't know I was creating back in the day. It's just... It's like a, a proto-social media in my mind because the things that Twitter and Instagram are used for now, that was Twitter back then yeah. as well as Facebook and everything. It was everything I could ever want at that time in my life. And so going back into it just felt pretty surreal because we both dived into our old Twitters, not Twitter, sorry, Tumblrs yeah. in anticipation for this conversation. What was it like when you looked through yours? It was wild. And like Tumblr shows you um, like how many days back it is. And so I'm scrolling, 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 and it's like 3,174. <laughs> I'm like doing math like what? Oh, yeah. Okay. That was eight years ago. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. It was wild. I actually, you know, I found... I, it was not what I expected. I remember Tumblr being such a very like fat space for me, but I looked at what I was sharing on Tumblr. I was not creating any of my own content, but I was looking at what I was sharing and it was not as much fat stuff. I mean, there was fat stuff to be sure, but it was like a lot of, I don't know, political stuff and like history you didn't learn about in school and um, some like wishbone memes and just like weird stuff. <laughs> and then I guess like when I looked at my likes, cause you can see your likes as well. I saw a lot more fat stuff there. So I wonder what that's about that I'm like liking every fat thing that came across my feed, but sharing it, you know, not that wasn't every post I shared. Um, but you're, you're sorry, you had like aesthetics. <laughs> it was aesthetic. Um, it kind of surprised me actually, because where you were just like reposting all these different things, I was not judicious, but like I was curating, I guess, but I didn't even realize it at the time. Like mm -hmm. my Tumblr page was not for anybody else. I didn't think anybody was really following it. It was really just um, a place for me to, I guess, do like, I don't know. I've never done a vision board or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I haven't done a lot of collaging in my life, but as I look through it, it has a big feel to it of um, that kind of energy of just things that spark interest or inspire me or like pretty visually interesting. And then I go over to my likes and it's a lot more articles or, or quotes or 
uh, I don't know, weird stuff that you find on the internet. And it's just so funny to look back at it and be like, oh, I'm, I'm still very much this person. But at the same time, I was reposting stuff from people that I didn't know at the time that now are are common common names and yeah. common creators, especially about fat stuff too. And so I think as I'm looking back at Tumblr, so I don't know, obviously we're millennials. We, we say that at the top of the show. But when I was in college and then shortly out of college is when I was using Tumblr the most. And it was a time where I was feeling very isolated and removed from other people mm-hmm. because I was, you know, in college with lots of different people, lots of different ideas, getting really stimulated in conversations and developing my politic and all of these good things. And then once I left college, I didn't have those people around me anymore. I didn't have the time because I was just working all the time. And so Tumblr was a refuge where when I was like depressed or out of energy, I could just sit there and scroll and like find community or like expand my boundaries of knowledge without putting a lot of effort forth. And I think that is who set some really big things in motion for us to be literally talking about it right now and, and interviewing the people that we interview too. It's just, it's kind of a wild progression timeline to look at. I, how did you use Tumblr back in the day? Kind of similarly. Well, okay. So when I said like, this is like, you know, eight to 10 years ago that I was very active on Tumblr, that would mm-hmm. put me, it would be like, the year was 2011 to 2013 <laughs> when I was in grad school and working in Texas. And um, yeah, I think like there was a little, you kind of spoke to like life transition uh, after college. And I think that was part of it for me too. I was in, like in a different place. Um, and I just remember like laying in bed at night, playing words with friends, cheating always, and then scrolling oh Tumblr. You cheated? <laughs> always. Always. I cannot. <laughs> I just, do we need to say sorry to someone on here I right think, now? Like, You're... Mostly Jamie Glover. I feel like I played a oh. lot of people I didn't know, but then, or like just like bots or whatever, but Jamie Glover from Hamlin, we would play words with her oh. for like t- years <laughs> when, I, when I was in Texas. I love Jamie. Jamie was my neighbor for a little bit back in the day in the oh, dorms. Yeah. Oh. Love Jamie. I, love that. I can't believe you cheated, Jamie. So Sorry, Jamie. I sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, so I guess yes, kind of similarly. And I, I think um, I don't know. Just I, I was so in preparation for this episode, I was trying to remember the accounts I followed, and that's why I was scrolling so far back. Um, and there were some people I just like couldn't find or couldn't think of, but I like can picture them in my mind. But I do think it might be fun to like mention some of the I don't know the accounts and the people that like I remember the most um Mm -hmm. which would always like Gabby Fresh is like in my mind like the original like she is the first fat fashion person I ever followed ever um and really just like I don't know she stuck me in she was amazing and I remember it's so like wild to see her now just and she has so much much success and is so professional in like her pursuits um but I remember just these like outfit pictures of her in her living room in Chicago and it's like oh my gosh that was forever ago um yeah I think like Marshmallow and this person whose name is well, I found them on Instagram their name is Kina Butta and I forget like what their handle was um, I followed this account called Fat Feminist Fetish a lot. There was that like fancy now their name is Fancy Bidet, someone named Natalie yeah. from Australia, who I think you followed as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, really cool art that they would put yeah. out in the pins and things. And like that. There was this person who I 
truly much of my scrolling was spent trying to find this person. I can like see them so clearly in my mind. Um, but I could not find their Tumblr and I could not find their Instagram, even though I know I do follow their Insta. They're like, um, I don't know what I remember most about them is that they had a riots, not diets tattoo on like their chest, like not the middle, but like the side kind of by their heart. And I just remember thinking that is the most radical thing I could ever imagine. And (laughs) I just, yeah, I loved it. So I think those are some of the, the folks that I was paying attention to, but to your point, like I was scrolling through old likes and old reshares. And I saw a lot of people that to your point, like I didn't know quite who they were at the time, but they're people that Mm -hmm. I follow now or also, Oh my God, I have to mention, I reshared a bunch of pictures of Pasashia who works with me now at cake before I ever knew who she was as a person. (laughs) Um, So it was, yes, that's just like one example of people I'm finding and recognizing as I'm scrolling through these things that I reshared, you know, eight, nine, 10 years ago. Oh my gosh. I also think about um like I when I was looking back I had reposted a bunch of these like fat and fit like I don't know ideas for working mm-hmm. out or modifications to working out and Jessamine Stanley oh, was the yeah. co-creator of yeah. it and I was like dang okay and I think that's something that was interesting about Tumblr is that you could just repost or consume and and you didn't have to know all the context to it, but certainly having that context helps a lot. And now it's like, you know, these are people that have been kind of along with me on my progression and my learning and like realizations about myself. And I didn't even realize it. It's really funny how much, and I don't want to say this for everybody, but like I discredit my past, but like, I look back at this Tumblr, I'm like, oh, you're still the same person. And also how cool that we've been, you know, without knowing it, kind of generating, I don't want to say manifesting. I don't, I don't like that thought mm-hmm. about manifesting, but we created this, I don't even like vision boards, but we created this, this identity, uh, a collage of uh, possibility, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds very woo woo as well, but here we are living these lives um, and like, taking it from Tumblr and putting it out into the world, which is also a theme that came up in our conversation with Jay. And what you were saying earlier, Soraya, that like the kind of things we were liking and sharing, now it feels like we do that on other forms of social media. Um, And Mm -hmm. while we follow some of the same people, we of course like have lots of different folks we look to as well for their thoughts on fat stuff and body stuff. Um, and you know, I, I think for both of us, like our perspectives have really grown and changed since that time in our lives. But like knowing that where we are now, like the seeds of like the radical things, the radical perspectives we have today were like planted through those posts on Tumblr. It's just so telling. I know this is like a a refrain that y'all have heard time and time again about like curate where you're getting your information from. Like if if you don't have people around you who are ready to have these conversations or if you're not even sure you're ready to have these conversations with yourself, like introduce it as a passive way to engage and see what sparks for you because – you know, it took a podcast for me to feel like I'm comfortable saying I'm fat. And it took a podcast for me to do the research and really get an understanding of of why I feel passionately about the things I feel passionate about and why I deserve to be like loved and cared for and represented in the world. And um, 
now I'm creating content yeah. for it. Not, not at the level of some of these other people we've mentioned, but I think what we would love to do, because we've been able to incorporate so many wonderful people into our podcasts mm-hmm. um, through our research, through our interviews, of course, but like we would love to hear from you all about like who are the folks who have either helped you spark your understanding of, of fat liberation or body positivity uh, and who's still somebody important to you. Yeah, we want to know. So uh, shortly after this episode releases, we'll do a thread in our Friends and Fans Facebook group and also probably on Instagram. And we'd love to hear from you, like who are you looking to um, for fat liberatory content right now. Um, and we can share that out with others so they can see those suggestions. Yeah. Cause we want to learn from everybody. And I know one person on our list is actually who we got to interview in this episode. Absolutely. Jay, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. So we're going to start out how we always do. Jay, what is your story as a matter of fat? That's such a great question. How much time do we have? Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's so much there. But I would say, you know, my story as a matter of fat um, would be that I started out kind of rocky. I mean, I have been fat my whole life. So I was a fat kid and a fat youth, fat teen, fat adult. Um, And my earliest memories are actually of, you know, everyone in my life sort of pathologizing Mm -hmm. my fatness. Um, And so from a very early age, I learned that fatness was scary and fatness was something to change and it was medical. um, And I had, you know, a lot of like dieting, um, a lot of diety memories and BMI talk and stuff like that from a very early age. Um, And it wasn't until I was in my early 20s that I really found any other narrative around fatness. Um, It it took me sort of losing all of my connections to things that I enjoyed, like sports. I just stopped playing because I was anxious about being different and having different abilities and inabilities than everyone else. And I sort of became you know, less involved in school. And I stopped being the center of attention. I liked being in um, things like theater and whatnot, but I stopped participating. And when I really started like secluding myself from the world, I actually turned to Tumblr Mm -hmm. (laughs) in my early twenties. And I think that's a story for a lot of like body positive plus size activist folks of today is it really our minds were changed because of early body positivity on Tumblr. Yeah. Um, That really showed me a whole new world. And it was actually Chubby Bunnies. I think that was the account. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was just reposting, like, you know, fat women, fat people, uh, just people enjoying their bodies and feeling proud of it. And then I feel like it just snowballed from there. I really felt at home and I just found a whole new way of living and decided like, I'm going to tackle this. I'm going to learn more about this. And I want to be part of this community. This feels like home. Um, And so I wouldn't say that right now, you know, my, my story matter as a matter of fact is anywhere near um, complete or healed, you know, or um, that I've reached any sort of 
you know, higher awareness than any other folks, but I would say that things are getting easier and um, I'm healing my relationship actively with my body and with food. And I just feel so much more positive about the outlook of life as a fat person now. So I think that's something I just wanted to highlight about my story was that it started off with such such hard, negative, um, debilitating things around fatness. And then now here I am, you know? So that's, I mean, I am excited to see where it goes from here because I feel so good right now. So I can't even imagine where it's going to go, you know? Oh, I love that. The like, we're at a good place, but like, this is only getting better kind of perspective. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, especially since you do talk a lot about this in ways that people can maybe even have those moments that you had on Tumblr by looking at your work. So like in the digital world, you go by at Comfy Fat. So would you mind telling us more about the origins of Comfy Fat and what it means to you? Absolutely. My favorite thing is talking about where Comfy Fat came from because it's like it's like tying a thread between two almost unrelated things. Um, so the way it started was on Tumblr and I was just noticing that it was when I was first starting to understand that there were different standards for fat people to live up to, especially in just clothing and dress, um, especially for feminine folks and women. I realized that, wow, in order to just pass in the world as a professional person or a put together person, fat people need to be wearing makeup and um, like a suit and tie or well-fitting clothes because otherwise we look frumpy. Um, and I thought that's that feels unfair and that feels oppressive. It feels like, wow, every single day I'm putting so much pressure on myself to be at such a high standard that like thin people do not have to live up to. Like they get to wear sweats and, you know, have barbecue sauce dripping down their face and still be called, <laughs> you know, right. sexy and beautiful. And so I thought comfy fat, you know, we should be allowed to be comfortable. Um, Mm. And then I started tagging my photos as comfy fat and some other folks did too. And it was like a very small little circle that felt really cool and exciting. And, and then it sort of um, fizzled out for a few years. Like I stopped being as active on Tumblr and was working in social work and kind of like refocused my priorities. And then I came around to meeting Carissa and, you know, my partner, fat girl flow. Um, And I traveled for the first time as a fat person, as a like super fat person, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't traveled much prior via plane because I grew up in poverty and there was no really like, you know, not really an opportunity for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in meeting Carissa and I, I flew for the first time as a fat person, like super fat. And she sort of prepared me for every single step of the way, how to make it the most comfortable experience as possible. And I was, I was still terrified until I did it all the way through and just having it proceed, like being able to understand the procedures that I needed, the accessories that I might need to make it more comfortable, the things to expect when flying, how to get a additional seat, um, which, which airlines even have that option. I mean, all the knowledge that she had and she just shared it with me. And I thought, this is a huge, huge like market of people who don't understand that we can make flying not just possible, but actually comfortable. Um, Mm. And that sort of opened the door to me being really excited about sharing resources for other super fats. Um, And 
to show them like options and possibilities. And Carissa was like really pushing me to to come up with like a, a brand because she was like, you could do this. And I was just thinking, you know what, what are we going to call it? And then I remembered Tumblr and Comfy Fat. And I was like, this is exactly what I was talking about a few years ago, how to be more comfortable in the world. Um, and that's that's how Comfy Fat came to be. That's perfect. You did a, such a good job of saying it's like pulling a thread between two disparate items, but <laughs> it was pure like a, a resonance or a synchronicity of some kind too. Yes, cool. synchronicity. Yeah, that's a great way to phrase it. So we are, of course, a podcast based in the Midwest. And so we have to ask you about fat community in your part of the Midwest. What has your experience been like in Kansas? You know, I wasn't sure what to expect when coming to Kansas because I was coming from Massachusetts Mm. and specifically Western Massachusetts. So not not Boston (laughs) Um, (laughs) in the middle of nowhere, really. And um, I was worried, honestly, to begin with, because I felt like. I was leaving a place that was very queer and very um, left political and loud about it. And I knew that coming to the Midwest and specifically Kansas meant putting myself in the position to be more vulnerable and to have more opportunities to like teach other folks about my identities as a non-binary person, as a happy and fat person. Um, and I came here and honestly, like, I am so supported by Carissa, her family, our new friends. Like, I have, I really feel very safe. And I also feel like at the same time, the the plus size community feels so spread out. Like, I have met incredible folks, but they are all, you know, two to four hours distance from where I'm at in Kansas. Um, Elise from Ready to Stare, I got to meet, and I think she's incredible. Shane from, you know, Plus Size Trans Guy, he's like one of my good friends now. And I would not have been able to meet those folks without having moved here. Um, I just wish there were more opportunities, especially, you know, once the panorama's over, um, (laughs) (laughs) to bring us all together, you know, because I really, really, that there's nothing better than the feeling of being surrounded by other plus size and fat folks who just like want to have fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. I guess I want to go back to talking more about the content and the resources that you've been sharing out. So like we noticed, love your Twitter. There was one that you pinned that was like, Hey, these are the areas and the pieces that I've talked about. So we would love for you to share more about one or two of these specific topics with our audience. Sure, absolutely. So one of the most popular posts I have is the fat hygiene must-haves post. And the reason I created that was really because, I mean, it started with traveling and learning that there were um, seatbelt extenders that you could take on the airplane. And then I realized, oh, there might be other assistive devices to make this thin world that didn't think of my body when it was created uh, more accessible to me. And I started realizing, like, what are the things I struggle with that I wish I didn't have to feel, like, guilty about struggling with, you know? Because one of the biggest, I feel like, challenges um, socially that fat people are met with is, like, the argument of, like, ableist arguments. Mm. Like, Mm. for example, like, oh, you can't even reach your feet to put on your socks or shoes, that's like something that people I feel like have heard or are afraid of or are told that's where they're headed. And 
I mean, first of all, people who can't reach their feet or don't have feet still deserve respect and yeah. should, mm-hmm. should not be used as like a worst case scenario ex- example. And additionally, um, I found a way to put my socks on every single day with a sock on um, assistive device, which is like, has two strings and you throw it over your foot and you pull the sock up. It's incredible. I use it every single day. And finding that made me feel um, like an independence. It made me feel a confidence. It made me feel like I, like I, I'm allowed to find ways to make my life more comfortable without feeling like it's like, it doesn't count. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so then I, I realized like, okay, so for hygiene things, like, you know, some people like to shape their legs, but can't reach all the way around. Are there razors with extended handles? Yes, there are. So it just opened this whole new world of like, wow, how many items are out there that help with reach that help with, um, specifically what kind of soaps can help with like particular odors or like folds in your, in your rolls and stuff like there's just so much out there that people are afraid to talk about because it's seen as honestly seen as a disability, seen as gross. And that's a problem in and of itself, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I wanted to put it all in one post to say, Hey, like these are options too. So that's where that post came from. And it still gets, it still does rounds every once in a while. I've um, seen people suggest it. Like I've seen that post be shared so many places just and like throughout over the course of like the last few years, even I think I'm not quite sure when it came out, but like, it's not just like once or twice that I've seen it. Like I've seen it shared so much. Oh, that makes me so happy. And also it feels like I'm just glad that we're talking about it because it doesn't have to be shameful yeah. to not be able to reach something, you know? Yeah. It also points to the argument that I think comes up with a lot of accessibility uh, issues, which is like, well, nobody's buying this, right? Like there's not a market for this because we don't see people purchasing it. And it's like, you found that gap by saying people don't know there's all this taboo around asking about it. So if I put this out there, there will be people interested because people want this, (laughs) you know, they want to have access to this. So I, it's just such a, such a resource and treasure that you've put out there for people to understand that their needs can be met too. Thank you. I would also say that Tushy is a really good example (laughs) of the like, you know, nobody's going to need this. So why should we make it? Turns out, oh, I don't even think Tushy meant to find the whole fat market, really. Um, And they did. And now everybody has a bidet. I mean, (laughs) it's been great. So I love that article. Are there any other articles that you would want to highlight? Yeah, I feel like my, my most vulnerable the first post that I put out that was really like a story that was kind of burning inside of me I don't know if you know that feeling but um, I just wanted to get it out there was how fat phobia impacted my gender identity Um, and in that I talk about how living in a world that was fat phobic had me first trying to work through feelings about my body as a fat person and not able to even consider gender until I um, found peace a little bit with fat phobia, with my internalized fat phobia. Mm. Um, It really, the world sees fat first and then gender um, is at least how I experienced it. And I really had to, and I'm still working on this, pulling apart and detangling what is fat phobic and what is 
um, like gender dysphoria, really. That's like a huge topic that is happening sort of in a tiptoed way, it feels like, in the um, in trans spaces, because it's like there's so much emphasis on medical transition and, and changing your body to to feel like you are living your truth. And it's hard for someone in a body like mine to know if I don't like my chest because it's so big, because that feminizes me, that's how the world sees that, or because I really don't want that there. Do I want, am I okay with my roles, but not my hips? You know, it's, it's very mm. complicated. And I think I only breached the surface with this piece, but I've had many, like, especially trans male, trans masculine folks um, resonate with the piece and reach out to me about it because it's, it's something that is hard to talk about, I think, in um, spaces that revolve around gender because we fought for so long to be able to justify the need for transition, for changes to our bodies. And there are more stories out there than just that narrative of like, born in the wrong body, let's change it to be to another binary and mm. that feels right. And I don't want to come off sounding like that's not a legitimate story, it ent entirely is. Um, but I also think there's so many other stories and so many ways to experience gender and so many different ways that you can get there, honestly. Um, mm -hmm. It's not, I, I would say it's, it might be, how do I say it? I think that for like a thin, white, able-bodied person, coming to a discovery about gender might have been just easier because of access to that story, you know? Mm. And so I really, that's why I talk about what I do in my experiences because I want that story to also be part of it. I want that story to be an option for other people, you know? Jay, where can folks find you and support you and engage with your work? I mean, you've given us like some quick hits of some of the pieces you've written that have, um, that have really resonated with folks, but like there are so many more. So how can folks find it? Sure. So I've got my website, comfyfat.com. I also can be reached on patreon.com slash comfyfat. And then on Instagram, I'm comfyfattravels because comfyfat was taken. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that how it goes oh, on social sure media? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering... What is bringing you joy right now that you would want to share with us in the audience? Sure. What's bringing me joy? Um, I would say, well, I mean, music always is. I've, I made a, God, what is the playlist called? It's like, sell you lit playlist. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, and I've shared that with my Patreon folks and that listening to that and like dancing around in my office before work in the morning has really yeah. been setting my mood like just right to like tackle the workday. Um, and I would also say join. I am like really getting into join. I don't know if you are familiar yeah. with them, the online platform. Yeah. Um, for yoga and other like exercises they have a whole bunch of videos that are like chair, like seated exercises, seated boxing, um, and like seated yoga. I just think it's incredible. I love that resource. And so I've started using it a little bit more lately. And I find that that's really helping me feel centered and excited about movement. Oh, that's so cool. Those are some fire tips. I love that. <laughs> awesome. Is there anything else that you were hoping to share with us, Jay? 
no, I'm just really, I mean, I'm thankful that y'all asked me to be on the pod. I think what you're doing is great. I want to see, like, I want to listen to all of the episodes. <laughs> um, and I just really appreciate you having me here. And I would love to, I mean, show up again. Yes. Jay, thanks for telling your story as, as a matter, matter of fact. That. I okay I so appreciate that conversation with Jay they're so easy to talk to and have a lot of thoughts after the interview so Kat are you cool to debrief for a moment oh we I mean like such a great interview let's discuss okay I so one one thing that Jay shared that I think is really pertinent to all the work that we do on the podcast is just uh, I don't know the fact that we deserve to be comfortable, mm-hmm. like right, comfy fat as the term, it's like we deserve to be comfortable in the world. And I love this person that I shared on a story on Instagram the other day, and I'll have to find their handle. I can't remember exactly, but they were talking about how my life is ease. I default to ease when I go Ooh. in the world. My life is comfort. Ooh. And that just really struck me. And that's so much of what Jay is doing too, is that we deserve to be comfortable. So what are ways that we can do that, especially when we know that as fat people, there are already so many strictures and structures around mm-hmm. us to feeling comfortable or like needing to conform to specific gender and quote unquote professional standards. And it is unfair. So I am very into this idea of finding comfort, being comfortable in the world. Um, And yeah, I love that. Oh, yeah, me too. And I think that ties into something else that came up in this interview is like Jay was talking about how they're trying to take away the stigma or shame away from things that like, you know, like everyday struggles of fat people and thus have become Mm -hmm. a resource. And that speaks to kind of ease too. like life doesn't need to be hard. Like if there is something that can help you do something, let's talk about it so you can know how to use this or what to find or what to look for, what to buy to assist you with you know anything that you need help with um and so I thought that was really I just love that that's like the type of work they're doing and like I mentioned in the conversation I really value these pieces that Jay has written and and truly do see them shared very widely um and that just it brings me so much joy because it's like the more people who can see these resources about um things that are going to make their lives better or easier in a very like matter of fact way that doesn't lean into sting to shame or stigma is going to make us all better for it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Also, I want a bidet. <laughs> okay. Noted. I guess. <laughs> if anybody is in the, and he's got, but he's got a new bidet for cat, like throwing her away. I, guess. I don't know. Unless that's I actually a- was going to add, like, a, year, a couple years ago, I had thought about putting a bidet on my holiday wish list. My dad and stepmom are like really into gifts, and I always ask for very like practical things. Although like, bidet is like practicality and luxury together. Wow, that's a commercial. Yeah. But I also several Christmases ago asked for like a different shower head, and so it's been two years, and I still have not installed that thing. So I took back my request for the bidet because I was like, if I haven't installed this shower head, when am I gonna? In- I just I'm I'm crap for installing things in my home. So. Please for this is a wild aside, but like, what is it going to take to get you to forgive this you. tangent? Will... But yeah, <laughs> oh my god! So I have this like great like retractable shower. Is that what it's called? Where you can take the shower head off that I got for yeah. Christmas three years ago, and it's still not in my 
freaking shower. So, all right, we're gonna have to add in se- a segment to the show of Showerhead Watch <laughs> where we get an update on women. Actually, I feel really. It feels like I again. I'm so sorry. We were going on this. I I took us on this very intense tangent, but now saying it out loud, it like feels so foolish. I, I wonder if maybe this is what it will take for me to put it together. We will, yeah. Yeah, public yeah. shame. Love that um, for yeah. you. As I talk about, like, being able to be in the world <laughs> without shame and, like, also, but, like, truly here, too, it's, like, why is there so much stigma around accessibility right, tools? Right. Like, I just, it's it's nonsense. And so, yes, in an effort to practice what we preach, Kat, I, I would love to hear that you installed cool. Well, that. we can and, dish um, about it in the next fat dish, and I'm telling you, it probably won't be in, but if it is, we can all just <laughs> offer surprise. our celebration. <laughs> it could be a story on Instagram. That would be pretty great. Okay. Um, okay. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. We're building, yeah, I'm giving we'll you a lot see. of work to we'll do. See. Okay. <laughs> but yes, well, I can. <laughs> Of the day. Oh my goodness. I can bring it back to, well, okay. One more thing I want to say about like accessibility yeah. products, independence, confidence. And Jay had a quote that I just like, ugh, just got to me and said, or um, the quote is, I'm allowed to find ways to make my life feel more comfortable without feeling like it doesn't yeah. count. And that just, oof, yeah. that struck me as mm-hmm. well. Um, and and I, I guess I'm really just into this idea of, yeah, ease, comfort, going through the world that way. Also, the person that I was talking about before, their um, Instagram handle is RVX Mendoza. Um, I'm a big we'll fan of We'll have to them. tag them but, in, in, our, in our notes yeah. so we can all go follow them. Yeah. Uh, but I think another piece of this, too, is just – we talk about privilege on this podcast a fair amount, but – Another thing that just really landed squarely in my brain was the idea of, you know, when we travel, we, we've mm-hmm. talked to many people. We've talked a lot of times about the issues of flying while fat, um, but like Jay talking about how they had never been able to travel like on the plane before. And luckily they had a, a person who could walk them through that and help them mentally prepare. And I just... Ugh, it made me so sad to be like, this is privilege because you like – in my mind, time is privilege. And the time that it takes for me as a fat person to plan ahead and deal with the anxiety of flying while fat is time that somebody else doesn't necessarily have to use to worry about that. They can be more present, more engaged, or worrying about something else, right? That isn't just a basic thing, like finding a Mm -hmm. seat, being treated Mm -hmm. kindly, dealing with all that. And I just love that what Jay has done is to like keep paying that forward mm-hmm. um and helping those of us who have to take this time yeah. and like you could easily not share that because it does take a lot of effort and energy but that that sharing of knowledge and sharing of practice and skills and and ultimately community yeah to me um that you're not alone in having these concerns or you're not alone in trying to figure this out was like pretty pretty fantastic I agree um and also like Midwest represent Kansas come through (laughs) yeah I just had to put that out there yes Midwest you know it's always such a delight when we get to hear from other folks who are in the Midwest but like aren't necessarily um here in the Twin Cities so it was really fun to hear Jay's take on you know Kansas and fat community and I I would also mention that um, a couple years ago when I was on this like summer road trip, I was able to visit Jay and Carissa in Kansas. It was so great. And like, I just, 
there's something so familiar about other, um, like about, you know, traveling within the Midwest or being in the Midwest. It's like, I like going other places, but um, f- visiting other like cities and spaces in the Midwest just feels so, I don't know, so comfortable. I just feel so at home. Is that something you've experienced at all? Yes and no. So for some reason, like road signs are <laughs> like meaningful to me, like when it marks a city or a, an upcoming uh-huh. exit or something like that. So when they are similar to Minnesota's, like I am comfortable. And I think that is in a fair amount of Midwestern states that they're somewhat similar. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I, I there is something comfortable and also uncomfortable for me. And I think that comes down to like rural areas too and not feeling very comfortable going through rural areas of the midwest even though i have family who like farm and are in those areas and have always felt comfortable with them and their communities but um there is this like kindred spirit with other fat folks across the midwest though and i and i remember when we were talking with show my more about just how cool it is but like the fat community also feeling very spread out and that's what jay alluded to as well and just how that that is indicative of the midwest to me just sprawling right like sprawling plains and like being kind of kind of pulled apart which is why i think i'm so lucky to be based in the twin cities with such a vibrant fat community but yeah yeah we really do it is a real gift here to have such a good like happening fat community and i mean that can could stand to be better and bigger and more interconnected but like compared to other places um just feels a little bit different which is which is just such a gift you mm-hmm. know something else about um our conversation with Jay that I wanted to highlight they said um I think this came up when they were talking about their story as a matter of fact and like kind of when they got to like well here I am now they said something to the effect of you know things are good now but I can't even imagine where they're all going to go And I love this perspective, this like radical focus on like the positive or like, you know, being able to look forward to the future with hope and excitement like that just feels so, oh, I just I love that perspective and like could stand to embody that a little bit more. (laughs) Um, So I just wanted to call I call attention to to that kind of fire quote that they shared. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about like a positive reimagining of the future, and also, like what we alluded to earlier in the episode of looking back at Tumblr and being like, oh, these are some really cool ideas that I'm just starting to germinate. And here we are. So of course, of course, things are going to get bigger, and better and more. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm complex I think that's where I'm at and and Jay started talking about this topic too which was really interesting about you know gender and fatness and how the world sees fat first and then gender and really trying to parse out like my own feelings of my body is that because of like gender representation or is that because of um, anti-fat bias or internalized fat attitudes and dang like that's hard that's really really hard and an interesting conversation and an important conversation um so I'm really glad that they brought that up into light of something that they're they're working through and so to think about the future it'll be very cool to see where they're at with that personally and like where the larger conversation around that is in the future too yeah also like 
shout out to the cellulite playlist that really oh my <laughs> that god really got amazing me. <laughs> that really amazing got me. go join jay's patreon so you can have access to the cellulite <laughs> uh, uh playlist because that is incredible and i mean i know we've been asking our guests what brings them joy but like i don't think i realized how cool it's been to hear uh what that looks like just from dancing and there's like everybody's had different things that they've shared but I love that we're able to get a peek into what brings people joy because as much as we talk about the complexities or challenges you know living with ease living with comfort living with joy is just something that I want for everybody that we engage with yeah I agree and I guess spoiler alert for other you know the to y'all audience for upcoming interviews but that type of question is something that we've been able to I think ask most or maybe all of our guests this season Mm -hmm. and it's just always such a a true pleasure to hear what's bringing them joy and with that something else that always brings us a little joy uh getting into the dirt Dirt and and discourse. discourse it's time for the dirt and discourse this is where we dive into the excitement and discomfort around relevant pop and cultural happenings. And oh my goodness. Okay, that is the tag for Dirt and Discourse. You've heard it time and time again. Or for oh, the yeah. first time, if this is the first time you're listening. In any case, this one is messy and like a lot of our Dirt and Discourses are messy. But as we've been talking about people we've looked up to or followed um, as part of kind of our experience in, in understanding ourselves in the world and other fat, not celebrities, but like icons, I would say. Um, <laughs> we wanted to talk about how how challenging it is when there is so little representation or we, we're really excited about someone who is, you know, showing up as fat in the larger public eye, um, how, how much pressure they have to meet like high standards that we have for them and how disappointing it can be when they when they do things that are antithetical to what we value or what we're excited about and like is it fair to have pressure on people just because they have um, a certain body size is it fair to have these expectations for people who are fallible and and yet we still do and so that's kind of the the tenor of the conversation we're having in the dirt and discourse today and that was kind of a messy intro but that's where we're at folks that's where we're at that's what it is I mean fellow fat folks that we look up to who have disappointed us and how we feel about it (laughs) and and to put it simply and also all of the things that Soraya said at the top like you know is it even fair for us to feel disappointment is are we expecting too much or too little from people what does this all mean I think we really got to thinking as we were you know looking at these accounts that we followed 10 years ago and thinking like you know from then till now who have we looked up to that we've maybe changed our opinion about a little bit or people who have you know disappointed us but we still will stand them forever Mm -hmm. um and kind of everything in between oh my gosh so true (laughs) so like representation is important and I cling to it and also like how much am I willing to let people like certain people slide on things and like how much am I ready to cancel like people in my in my yep. fat rep stable right like and, and maybe yeah. we should give some some examples like examples um, so I have one and like it's not controversial but I because we love Lizzo we do 
Oh, we, we love Lizzo always. always. And yet there was this little time in her career where she was really just like popping off nationally, but like right before that. And all of a sudden she was selling these weird mood stickers um, where you could buy these stickers and you put them and she's like, oh, your mood changes. I'm like, what is this? Like, what is like a mood ring? No, there are stickers that change, like apparently have some kind of um vitamin or oh make your mood different yeah so you would stick it onto your skin and it would help you sleep or it help you feel calm and things like that and i'm like what is this what is going on ma'am or like you know occasionally she'll do like juice cleanses and there was this one like video that came out in the last few months where she was talking about this juice cleanse and she was plugging a product and i was like where where is this coming from like this is so right bizarre to me and also like yeah like of course she's trying to make money she's like living in the public eye and like i'm not gonna fault her for making that money i i don't know so like I'll probably let a lot of stuff slide for her because she does a lot right, in my opinion. But it yeah. gets a little like, why? Why do I let so much of that slide? I don't know. But that's my example. Who who comes to mind for you as we have this conversation? Oh my gosh, so many people. And Lizzo's on my list too. Like I just will always and forever love Lizzo so much. And also just like, I'm not cool with some of the decisions she makes. But like that's fine. Like she's not making decisions. Yeah. You know, like I what who what do I matter? Um. One of my favorite arch nemesis is that a, I don't is, think wait, that's a nemesis a, a nemesis nemesis a nemesis yeah but I don't what someone I, do they know that? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry but we've discussed this someone cannot be my arch nemesis if they don't know yeah. that I don't like or them that. and we've discussed all the people who are not listening to this podcast you know who else isn't listening Ashley Graham <laughs> so I don't think we can count it as a nemesis situation but um, she's someone who is just like constantly messed up and um, uh, who I just used to think so highly of and have like so much excitement around um, and now just do not. And I really could do a TED talk about this, but um, I'll give you the quick hits. She was on Khloe Kardashian's Revenge Body Show, mm-hmm. um, so thus like endorsing it when there was a plus size person on there. She made all of her money modeling. No, that's not the right way to say it. She rose to acclaim modeling for Sports every Illustrated, plus size. Though, right? Oh, well, that was when she really hit it. But before that, she modeled for every plus size brand out there. Um, and I remember her, especially with um, Lynn Bryant and the like the I Am No Angel campaign mm. uh, from when we were, I don't know, that must have been like 2015 or 20. 20- no, 2013. Anyway, after she rose to acclaim and like was on Sports Illustrated, she decided that she didn't want to be called plus size anymore, which like is a whole conversation within like the modeling community. But also like, Ashley, like show some respect. Like you have made you, plus size people have consumed your image through these stores throughout all of this. Like find a better way or a different way to like to to resist that. Like you're just shitting on all these fat mm-hmm. people. And then also she wrote a book and she's racist and. <laughs> She doesn't, she's like essentially like the quintessential white feminist. Um, I actually think that we, I detailed some of these thoughts in one of our older, older episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, she's on my list. Um, Other people like. Can I also say the only way that I know Ashley Graham is because I watched. Through my complaining. (laughs) Predominantly. Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, I watched an episode of John Quinones. 
John Quinones, oh what would God, you do? Yes. And the whole premise was this 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 man was introducing his girlfriend to his parents in a public space and like all these folks were white and um he was thin, the parents were thin and like Ashley was brought in as the fat girlfriend. <laughs> just I cannot because like true, even if you're this like uh gorgeous or like acclaimed model that people are going to still say awful things about you because yeah accurate but how wild that these producers knew that we can't actually talk about someone who's fat unless and like gain appropriate concern for them unless they're a model who has been featured on sports illustrated Illustrated. It's just like why can't we just have a fat actor come in and play this? No, can't. That people wouldn't understand. People wouldn't understand why that's bad. Um, So that's my my main point of reference for Ashley Graham, which is also a big cringe. Um, Also, like maybe this is I don't I just added this to the note, so I hope this is appropriate to share, Soraya. But like even folks like that we've interviewed here. Like we had the pleasure of interviewing Virgie Tovar on the podcast. She's not local to the Midwest or the Twin Cities, but came through on a book tour. Mm -hmm. And it was so amazing to talk with her and so amazing to meet her. And I I do, and probably always will think so highly of her. And also like a year ago, maybe a little more, she like um, had some articles that I imagine she was paid. I hope she was paid handsomely to create um, talking up certain, um, certain brands that were just like, you know, not inclusive and saying, you know, lauding these, wow, what an amazing thing for this, uh, this, you know, business leader and this brand to have all these sizes. It's like, they go up to size 22. Mm-hmm. Virgie, who are you talking to? Like what, where did this come from? So, you know, even people who, um, I, I respect really highly, um, for their work in the fat community and really value a lot as people like they disappoint too. Yeah. I think it's just, it's, that's like what happens, right? I've, I've been lucky to um, be able to change my perspective over the last few years. I think a while ago, I would get really like personally offended when people did things like that. When Lizzo shared something about her song being used in a Weight Watchers commercial, or when this article with Virgie came out, I would be like, personally hurt and I have really learned to distance myself from that like it's not about me Mm-mm. it's not personal um it's and so, I think like yeah what is this culture of expecting like celebrities or others to be better than they are or like to not be human and right I, I don't know it's like a double-edged sword because people have to play a game to get to this level of notoriety not notoriety mm-hmm. that sounds pretty negative but like celebrity or just um being known and so like why mm-hmm. do we fault them or like them less for exhibiting these behaviors that they've learned on their way to achieving this status like yeah it's in, in like yeah. what you're and- discussing too is like an interesting parasocial relationship like i feel like i have a relationship with this person because they represent me in some way but like they don't know who we are they're not even we, oh. we're being their nemeses but like they don't even know we exist they don't even know who we are <laughs> yeah ashley graham certainly does not listen to the podcast um yeah and it's but you know so part of it is like um it's not personal and that i've learned but i also think it's like appropriate to be um just to not respect some of the decisions that people make and it's like i think that's okay too and like to live in this weird space of you know still appreciating mm-hmm. folks while also acknowledging that like some of the things that they've done don't align with our values and like 
we can still like people and also still not endorse everything they do. Like, I think that there's room for that. I also think there's room for, I wouldn't say canceling people, but I think there's room for saying, oh, you've done so many things that I don't agree with that, like, I'm not going to look to you um, as a thought leader or as a celebrity that I, you know, hold in high esteem. And like, that's all right, too. And they're doing just fine, regardless of how I feel. I just, it, it comes down to what we say time and time again. It's just like, we need more. We need more mm-hmm. representation, more people. So with different p- opinions, different backgrounds, so that we just don't have to hang our hopes on one person or a few people. Um, so yeah, just, I think in like season one and two, we talked like Netflix do better, but like just generally oh, like yeah. systems do better. Like we want more yeah. wonderful fat people to come forward so we can see just how messy we are and like not have to feel this dichotomy of either loving or being disappointed by someone at any given time. Hopefully, we're not disappointing you too much as we come to the end of this episode. Oh my gosh, Sarah. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for spending time with us, y'all. As always, remember you can visit our website for full show notes on info that we share in this episode. Plus, we have transcripts, info about Matter of Fat, links to all of our socials, uh, access to older episodes, and information about our next podluck, which is July 1st. On July 1st in our podluck, we're discussing an episode from She's All Fat about reproductive justice and fat liberation. It was recommended by Kristen, one of our podluck regulars. Oh, yes. We love that suggestion. And we love Kristen and all of our podluck regulars and newcomers, too. Um, and two of our Matter of Fat assistants, Aaron and Sophie, are actually hosting the upcoming podluck. So we hope to see you join us. As always, a reminder that if you love our podcast and want to help out with expenses that we've personally shouldered for much of the last four years, you can send us some fat cash. Cash! We're on Venmo at Matter of Fat Pod, and you can also find more information about fat cash, like what we use it for, on our website. If you are so kind as to share some fat cash with us, we'd love to shout you out in an upcoming episode. Uh, We also give shout outs for our reviews in Apple Podcasts. And on this episode, we're excited to shout out Anne. Oh my gosh. Thank you for the review, Anne. We appreciate you. Fat cash reviews, shout outs. They are never expected, but always so, so appreciated. Always appreciated. Always, always, always. Well, that's all for this episode, folks. That feels like very cartoony to me. That's all, folks. That's all for now. I get it. Didn't look like that, but yes, it does read like that. (laughs) Well, until next time when we're back with another episode of Matter Matter of Fact. fact. Matter of Fact.